Welcome to Trade Wins. I am your host, Tara Solberg, the founder of Few and Far and Indigo Love, two halves of one thriving business. I am a South Coast girl from a small town, and when I launched my business over 10 years ago, I had no idea what I was doing. What I did have was passion, drive, and a commitment to learn as much as possible on my way. I will take you through each chapter of my unique business story. You will get real insight into the lows and highs, the trials and triumphs, and the many, many lessons learned. In fact, I will share all of the things I wish I knew when I was starting out all those years ago. So consider this your personal invitation to take the first step on the journey of a lifetime towards owning your own business. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Trade Wins podcast. You may have heard the conversation I had with Danny in the last episode where we spoke about our childhoods, where we grew up and how certain events have shaped who we are as people and where we are today. We kind of jumped around a bit timeline wise, so I thought it was important to take a step back for a moment and use this episode to take you through the steps we went through to open our first store in Huskisson all the gritty details because they're important and I want you to understand the process so that if you're considering taking the leap you know what we went through mentally and physically to get there and to know that you aren't alone in this. So let's go back to that time. I'd always been passionate about homewares and interiors there was no doubt about that I'd spent the majority of my time between work and during my lunch break scouring blogs and websites for unusual designers and makers who, I guess, handcrafted product and would, and I would bookmark inspiring articles that I could always come back to for inspiration. Danny's always said I'm a good researcher. It was during this time though that I found some of the product that we still stock in the store. So it was a really great time for me to actually, you know, search out that inspiration, which has really paid off now in the long run. But it wasn't until we had the conversation with Annette, the friend of ours who'd owned a homeware store in Milton, that we realized that this dream could actually become a reality. And it's something that we could make a decent living out of rather than it just being a hobby. So knowing this provided me with the energy and the excitement that I needed. And it really propelled me to move forward and to make a decision. And it was the catalyst for us deciding to open our own retail store. Annette's confirmation gave us the confidence to take that next step, which is when we decided to start working on our business idea for real. At that stage, it was very much an idea. That was all we had, but at least it was a start and something to work towards. And it was really exciting. My mind was buzzing and the knowledge of starting our own business consumed my every thought. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was from there that I started dreaming about the kind of store that I really wanted to create. And coming from a design background, this was really important to me. 
I always wanted the store to be a collection of Australian handmade product mixed with one-of-a-kind pieces from around the globe. And so I came up with the name Few and Far, derived from the saying Few and Far Between, which I then registered and applied for an ABN number. I was actually feeling very hopeful at that stage. In April, I think, of 2009, I went on a trip to Thailand with some friends and I remember taking some, let's just say, light reading with me. My friends must have thought I was crazy or boring, one of the two, <laughs> because as we were laying by the pool, instead of burying my head in some kind of a saucy novel like Fifty Shades of Grey, I was reading 100 Great Businesses and the Minds Behind Them and sketching out logo ideas for few and far. Like I said... I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I really wonder what they thought of me. I haven't actually asked them since then. <laughs> but I remember it was my birthday a few days after I got home from that trip. And we went up to Huskisson, or Danny and I went up to Huskisson for the day to have a look around. And I'll never forget when I asked Danny if he wanted to go out for lunch. And he answered, not really. I don't really want to spend too much money. I was like, what? Are you serious? It's my birthday. So I just sat there and ate something on my own while he watched me, wondering what I was doing with this guy. But later that afternoon, we got home and he asked me if I wanted to go for a walk along the beach. And he'd, he'd packed a backpack and he had his camera in the bag and you know, got the dog ready to take out on the lead. And I'm like, why are you bringing your camera? Like, you don't need a camera. We're just going for a walk. And he's like, well, I might want to take some photos of the dog. Let's just see what happens. I said, okay, whatever. Still kind of cranky at, you know, not having a nice lunch that day. <laughs> so we went for this walk and I remember it was kind of feeling a little bit awkward and I'm kind of wondering what was going on. And it was the Easter long weekend, that weekend, and we went out to Green Island, which is in Manana, near where we live. And he was kind of acting really nervous and a bit weird. And I'm like, what's going on? And he kept moving away and trying to get away from the people. So normally, if you know Manana, it's a quiet seaside sleepy town. There's never anyone around. And this weekend being the long weekend meant that it was packed and Green Island, which normally has you know not a soul on it, was so busy and there were people everywhere having picnics and swimming and everything and there was sort of nowhere to kind of find any privacy. So we kind of walked around the corner and where, you know, the dogs kind of climbing over all of the rocks and getting really clumsy and falling over and I said to him what are you doing let's just turn around the dog's like struggling here and you know we had a Newfoundland she was a big kind of clumsy goofy dog she was beautiful and he's like okay we'll turn around and so we went around he goes how about we go around this corner I'm like ah oh, okay anyway long story short he ended up asking me to marry him that day and he had um I guess done himself a favor and uh, booked us a dinner at Bannister's Hotel down in Molly Mook, which was really expensive, hence why you needed to save his money. (laughs) 
Yeah, so we were in, we just got we'd just gotten engaged and that was a pretty special moment. Back to, you know, the few and fast story. Um, I found a location for the store in an old shop in Huskisson and I'd always believed a furniture and homeware store would work well there because it was lacking quite considerably with places to shop. The store that I found was right up the end of the street where nobody ever wandered or at that time anyway. So it wasn't really, I guess, that appealing. And it was, you know, to make matters worse, it was such a dilapidated old building. It leaked like a sieve and it needed a ton of love. It was basically falling apart and it looked like it was falling apart. It smelt musty and it was pretty disgusting actually but it had been vacant for about 18 months because nobody was game to touch it but I thought it was perfect it was the right size for what we wanted so it was one of the large well it was the largest one of the largest stores in the street so it had room for displaying those furniture pieces or those larger items Um, but given the fact that it had so much going against it I knew it had potential as years earlier it was home to the simple shoe shop which was buzzing every weekend and it was a huge success which was something I guess um, from being a local that I'd benefited from understanding or knowing about Um, if any of you have ever heard of simple shoes they were massive back in the day and that was the store to buy them so I knew it could be really successful and I knew it could work but not really knowing where to start uh, we ended up making an appointment with Annette's accountant and basically asked her to sign us up as clients. We didn't have an accountant at that stage. I remember just paying a lady $50 to do my tax return when we worked back at Ocean and Earth. Um, But we needed to be advised, so we felt that this was the best course of action considering she'd had experience with Annette's business, which was going to be similar to ours, we'd hoped. Um, So we then set up a new bank account for the business and we'd started putting together a business plan, which was really beneficial in helping us to visualize and to work out the strengths and weaknesses of the business. But when it got to the financial part, I was completely stuck. Like, I mean, how was I supposed to know how to forecast sales from a business I'd never had any experience with? It just felt impossible. But I still have a copy of that business plan, which was actually really good. It was a great plan that we'd come up with and I'm so glad that I kept it. But it's also really good to reflect on. Looking back at it, we actually knew more than we thought, especially when it came to branding and customer experience. But I'd really recommend putting together a business plan. At the time, I kind of thought it was a bit of a waste of time. I'd I'd only really started doing it because we needed to apply for finance from the bank, um, which we didn't actually get anyway. But um, but yeah, now having that business plan and a record of that and looking back on it and thinking about the time that we were that we were actually putting it together we learned so much and it really made us think about i guess the ins and outs the strengths and weaknesses of the business and the different opportunities that we could cover so we couldn't get a loan the banks didn't want to know us because we were going out into our own business Um, So Danny had to sell a boat that he owned to raise the funds for us to get started. 
Mum and Dad also lent us money. The wonderful bank of mum and dad. Thank you, mum and dad, um, which we had agreed would be paid back as soon as possible. And that was really important to, to me. Like we needed to make sure that our business, um, I guess, was profitable and successful. And, you know, we weren't a charity, so we definitely needed to pay that money back. But well, the one thing about mum and dad is that they really believed in us and our, and our idea and they wanted to see us have a go. So they were really supportive um, in that and they lent us that money. So dad was a builder and he had had his own business for quite some time. So he really understood the importance and the thrill of starting your own business. So he was extremely supportive of our decision. But so with our finances now in order and we had a budget that we'd set and started to work on, we then signed the lease for the Huskisson store in that beautiful dilapidated building that I'd found. (laughs) We weren't really that clued up on negotiating at that stage. We just so desperately wanted this store. Um, But so we probably could have gone in a lot harder to negotiate a better rent free period to undertake the renovations because there were so many of them we were basically rebuilding this thing but we were pretty scared by the rent it was about $650 a week at that stage Um, but we thought as long as we can make it back then we should be okay But because of the scope of work that we wanted to do to the building to bring it up to scratch was so huge, we had to submit plans of what we intended to do. And the landlord also asked us to sign an agreement that stated if we came across anything such as rotted floor joists or anything damaged structurally that was going to be expensive to fix, then it was up to us to fix them and cover the expenses. In their minds, the building was fit to rent and they were scared of what we would find once we started pulling up the floorboards. Again, because we wanted it so badly, we ended up signing the lease and the agreement and got to work. I guess there was no other kind of choice for us and we we accepted the fact that, you know, that's what we were entering into and had you know, with dad being the builder, we kind of understood what we were going into. Therefore, it was safe for us to make that decision. So dad got to work on the renovations and what a huge job that was. Oh my goodness. I'll never forget it. It was, it was massive, massive. I've still got the photos, which I'll hopefully add into the show notes. But, um, Getting started on it, I remember I taped up all of the front windows with brown paper and I printed out few and far logos, which I'd stuck all over the brown paper, which was my budget version of building the hype, I guess you would say. I'd never do that now. Presentation is everything for me. But now, like now we have customized vinyl printed to fit each window filled with beautiful imagery, but There's no way we had the budget for that back then. So I had to be creative and hey, at least the logos were taped on straight. (laughs) That's my pet hate when things aren't straight. But Danny and I would get there to the store after work every night in the freezing cold, grinding away at the staples in the floor. We'd already pulled up two layers of lino and a lot of stinky damp carpet, but there were thousands of 
of staples and nails sticking out everywhere and they were impossible to pull out because they were rusty and you know it was just impossible but yeah so we were basically sitting on skateboards grinding and pulling and whatever it took to get these staples out at one stage um, and this shop had many lives it used to be a video shop so the walls were all on an angle <laughs> like almost like a you know I don't know 40 not that much but 45 degree angle so we proceeded to rip down all of the walls only to find random taps and windows in the walls and covered concrete slabs underneath carpeted ramps in the floor it was a minefield once we got started but you know those things it's kind of like when you start tidying up a room or cleaning out your wardrobe once we started we just couldn't stop we were halfway through and there was no going back um yeah so at this stage i'll definitely put in those images in the show notes because yeah you'll it'll be it's unbelievable what we did we had to pull up all of the floorboards relay them pull up floorboards from out the back and create you know a whole new section because all of the floorboards were rotted and yeah it was let's just say it was a huge job um so i resigned from my first well i resigned from my job first in august 2009 i was petrified my heart was pounding out of my chest and i was so nervous but I got through it and the feeling of relief afterwards was such a surprise really. Like I felt like this weight had been lifted from my shoulders and it was then that I knew that I was doing the right thing. So the plan was that Danny would stay working in case the business didn't work. It's funny though, because thinking back, we never doubted ourselves or our decision. And I don't think it was confidence, but maybe more excitement and enthusiasm. We had very strong vision and believed in our ability and the decision to pursue our greatest joy. I believe that visualization is an extremely important tool when it comes to success and creating the life you want to live. So you have to be able to see yourself living it in order for it to come to fruition. My dad's always taught me that and it's something that I really believe in and have always tried to practice. Um, So the next stage was um, drafting up my plan or my vision, I guess. So I drafted up my vision for the store in Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop, and I researched where I could search or source for the, um, the best light fittings, wallpaper or creative design ideas to really give some life to the space. We used tree trunks to replace these old skinny, ugly posts. And I included the Cole and Sons, the woods wallpaper on some of the walls, which I loved that black and white wallpaper at that stage, paired with a vintage crystal chandelier that our friends had lent to us while they didn't have a use for it, which still hangs in the office at the back of the store today. We included a design office in the back of the store where the plan was to consult on interior design projects. So we all always had this plan or a vision to expand the business and to offer a variety of services, which was really important. I ordered some handmade ceramic pendants from the ceramicist Samantha Robinson, which some of you may have heard of, um, to be used as drop pendants throughout the store. because I really wanted to bring in that reference to the Australian handmade and we pulled down all of those 
lovely fluorescent light bars you know the ones the ones that make you feel like you're in an office somewhere with no natural light and you just kind of go crazy um, anyway so we pulled all of those down and replaced them with um, just fairly minimal directional halogen download down lights on metal rope tracks after I finished up at work and had resigned fully um, I flew solo to Melbourne for the decor and design trade show. I was armed with a list of suppliers, a bucket of enthusiasm and a budget that Annette had helped me with, which was absolutely invaluable. Always, you know, the hardest thing when you're getting started or one of the hardest things, I guess, is coming up with a budget and knowing how to do that. So having that help from her, it was basically a list of suppliers and an approximate amount that I should spend with each. Um, that was just in absolutely invaluable. It would have been extremely overwhelming if I didn't have that. And I wouldn't have known where to start, how much to buy or what categories I should even be considering buying into. So to me, this was gold. I stayed in the cheapest possible hotel. And I remember, you know, back in the early days when Danny and I would travel to Sydney or Melbourne for the trade fairs, we used to stay in the cheapest, dingiest hotels. They were so bad. Some of them were absolute shockers. One of them had no natural light with a window facing a brick wall. But I guess we were on such a tight budget and we understood that we really needed to just focus on what we had come to do. And that was to buy stock for the store, not necessarily enjoy a glamorous experience, unfortunately. Things are a little bit better now, obviously, but back then it's actually a humbling experience to look back on how we used to do it and you know, we ne we've never taken anything for granted. So when I arrived at the first trade fair at the decor and design fair, I was like a kid in a candy store and the happiest I'd been for a really, really long time. I was in my element and I was so excited. And I remember feeling this is where I belong. This is what I'm meant to do. I distinctly remember on the morning of the first day after I'd spent my first $17,000, my total stock budget was about $70,000. I called my mum and dad to let them know that it was now official and there was no going back. Dad cheered me on and they were both really excited for me, which was really important to me that they were so supportive, made it a lot easier. Um, I carefully planned the range of products that I had ordered. Even though I had a budget and my list of suppliers to work with, it was still up to me as to what I chose and how I would put that together or how I would plan, plan the merchandising. It was going to have to merchandise well or it just wouldn't work. I chose pieces that I imagined worked well together or pieces in a similar theme and that could be displayed together. But little did I know, and it's something that I've learned since, that it wouldn't all arrive together because some of it was on back order. So the merchandising plan fell apart a little bit, but at least there was a plan. I did have one. <laughs> but while I was there, Danny and I spoke regularly uh, while I was away, and he was pretty bummed to be missing out. But this was what I was meant to do and I felt like I'd finally worked it out which was such a feeling of relief and I was just so incredibly happy. 
So after the trade fair, I came back to continue helping dad with the renovations and to start accepting the deliveries of the items I'd purchased. I'd learnt a few lessons with couriers at this stage. Even though I had left very clear instructions with certain suppliers as to when I wanted the stock delivered, which was closer to the time I knew the store would be ready to start filling with stock, some had just completely ignored that and had just sent it out straight after the fair. I had one driver from Star Trek call me to say he had a piece of furniture on the back of his truck and he was waiting out the back of the store. Apparently he needed somebody to help him lift it off the back of the truck and to take it inside with him, which I'd never been made aware of from that supplier. But I was the only one there and I couldn't even reach it, let alone help him. So I told him he had to bring it back another day when I could organize someone to be there to help. He was so cranky and he wasn't happy about that. I'll never forget how cranky he was and how bad he made me feel. But I hadn't done anything wrong, so I had to to stick to my plan. But a week or so later, I flew back to Melbourne again to visit the Reed Gift Fair and the Home and Giving Fair um, to purchase the remaining items on my list. But I was beginning to feel more confident and I was pretty excited with my purchases by this stage. It was at this point that some friends of mum and dad's made the comment, nobody in this area will ever pay that much for furniture. They'd somehow seen an invoice on a piece um, of furniture that had been delivered and must have noticed how much it cost, something like that. But they just couldn't see how the concept could ever work in such a small town like Huskisson. Like knowing what the locals were like, perhaps the locals would never spend that money. But Danny and I knew obviously that it was a tourist town. We had lots of visitors, people from Sydney, Canberra, all of those places. And we we had faith that it would work. You know, we hadn't gone into this blindly and we had done our research. So we had to ignore that and just remember how much research and how much work we'd done to make the best decision to go ahead. And I was fortunate enough that both Danny and I were confident in our vision and didn't let comments like this deter us from following our plan. After I got back from Melbourne, the deliveries started coming in thick and fast. The back room was piled so high with boxes. Oh my gosh, I'd completely underestimated the amount of space I'd need to store everything because I still couldn't put anything inside the half renovated store. It was kind of doing my head in a bit. But my plan was to unpack and price the items as they came in. But that quickly fell apart when we completely ran out of room to unpack. And I didn't want to have to double handle everything and pack it all back up again. So I kind of wandered around aimlessly for a little while trying to remain useful in this in-between period of moving stock into the store. I just looking back now, I wish that I had have been able to do something because there was so much pressure at the last moment to have that all done. But there really wasn't another way of doing it. And, you know, while it is, it's quite a generous storeroom in the back of the Huskisson store and it was completely full. <laughs> But I'd put so much love and thought into the fit out, but so had my dad. So the counter was a great example. I would have loved or I would have loved some vintage pressed metal, you know, a little bit of rust, a little bit of flaking paint, something like that. 
but I couldn't source it at the time, so I had to order in some new pressed metal that we ended up spraying black. We couldn't work out or we couldn't figure out what to do for the countertop because I didn't want something store-bought. I wanted it to be special. So we had to put our heads together to kind of think of some ideas for that. So dad and his very creative and imaginative mind (laughs) remembered that he had a huge bag of hardwood cubes he'd salvaged from a national parks job he'd done quite a number of years ago. They used to be an old pathway and he's quite the hoarder being a builder. So he thought he could join them all together to make the top almost like a parquetry floor if you can kind of get that picture in your head. And so off he went and there was literally blood, sweat and tears involved in that job. (laughs) He had to cut each individual timber cube six times to make them all the same size so that they would fit together with no bumps or unevenness. He's a perfectionist and I think that's where I must get it from, but he almost cut his finger off in the process. I actually think he may have lost the tip. And then it took two whole days to glue each individual block to the custom wood top he'd prepared, which was then sanded with a floor sander and varnished in a matte finish. But how's that for craftsmanship? It's been a talking piece with the customers over the last 12 years, that's for sure. Dad's not the type of person to do things in halves and he doesn't cut corners, but neither do I. So even though we were on a budget, we didn't want to finish with a substandard result. Not often unnoticed by the untrained eye, but it really mattered to us. I put together an invitation for our big launch, which by this stage was highly anticipated thanks to my brown paper window coverings. Everyone in the street was wondering what was going on in there. And I know the poor hairdressers next door had to put up with a lot of banging and crashing for a few weeks while the demolition and reconstruction happened. I'm not sure if the mirrors on their walls were shaking there for a moment. It was pretty chaotic. But I walked the street, introduced myself and personally invited all of the local business owners as well as our friends and family to our opening night. I also contacted South Coast Style magazine who said they would send out a photographer to capture the event and publish it in their social pages, which was amazing. It was kind of our first bit of publicity and the first, I guess, um, opportunity I'd had to approach press for some coverage. So once the fit out neared completion, it was literally a race to the finish line, literally a race to the finish line. I'd made it really hard for myself by organizing the launch party for the Friday night, which was the 18th of September, which was only a week away. That meant we had to be finished by then. So from there, we all worked, dad, mum, Danny after work and I until around 1am in the morning for a full week. Danny and I were living in Manana, so we were also traveling up and down each day. Danny's mum also came in to help each day and into the evenings and together we accomplished what we believed at the time was one of the hardest things we'd ever done. But looking back now, it was a piece of cake. 
the size of the stores that we've done now have you know easily been three or four times the size of that store and the amount of product but I guess that's where it's really important to have your systems and processes in place because they ultimately make things a lot easier. But I remember making several calls to Annette during the setup period asking, how do I know what price to put on each item? How do you do this? How do you do that? It was, it was important that I got it right at this early stage. Otherwise, my pricing would have been all over the place and I could potentially have been losing a lot of money. So having her on tap and, and on call then was really beneficial and made it a lot easier. Otherwise, I would have you know, been on good old Google and trying to work things out for myself. But we unpacked everything and brought it into the store and there was product everywhere. Believe it or not, I did have a vision of exactly how I wanted to plan it all out, which eventually, after an an extremely stressful and exhausting week, came to fruition at around 5.30pm on the evening of the launch party day. Mind you, the party was due to start at 6.30pm. We were all so tired. I just, so tired. I remember I'd broken out in cold sores. I had four of them, two on my top lip and two on my bottom lip, which was perfect for photos. <laughs> it felt really strange that we weren't going to get a rest after working this hard. I was so used to doing all-nighters at uni and, you know, getting ready for handing in assignments. And But when you do an all-nighter at uni, you can have a rest the next day or for the next week or however long you want. But... After this, we had to show up for work the very next morning. I I guess I can now relate it more to the experience of having a baby. Well, maybe not. Maybe not so much pain involved, but definitely that, that feeling of, you know, working really hard and then being exhausted and then coming back to do it all again. Um, So in the back of the store, there was this dingy old shower in a very dingy bathroom, which is still very dingy, (laughs) but I jumped into it and I quickly got changed and slapped on a quick face of makeup. I didn't have time to even go home or back to mum and dad's to get ready. And then the guests started to arrive. And that's the moment that I will never forget. It will always be forever ingrained in my memory as one of the proudest moments of my life. The look on everyone's faces when they walked through the front door after we'd unmasked the brown paper from the front window displays just made my heart full. The looks of amazement and the wows that came from their mouth was unforgettable and the room was full of shock at the mammoth task that we had undertaken, not to mention the absolutely beautiful result we'd achieved. We made some sales that night, which wasn't really the plan, but I wasn't saying no, (laughs) but I was buzzing. It was a night, Danny and I will never forget. We were so unbelievably proud and I couldn't wipe, or we both, neither of us could wipe the smiles off our faces. I had sore cheeks from smiling ear to ear. It was a raging success and we were the talk of the town and the store was absolutely packed. There were over 100 guests and the room was full of chatter and laughter and it was definitely a pinch me moment. So that brings us to the first day of opening. So 
The next morning, we got ourselves up, dragged ourselves into the store. I guess it wasn't dragging ourselves because we were so excited. We were all so nervous. But we opened at 10 a.m. on the Saturday morning, the 19th of September in 2009. So we were, we were so tired, but we were so excited to see what the day brought. I had butterflies in my stomach and I was nervous, but I didn't have time to think about it too much because we had customers waiting at the door. We didn't know what to expect and we'd gone in hoping for the best, but with low expectations. We just wanted to be able to cover the rent, which I'd said before, which was about $650 a week. But that day we made our rent about seven times. So it's safe to say that we were definitely off and running. At one stage, I remember being asked for the price of something that didn't have a sticker on it. It must have been like the only thing in the shop without one. And when I said, I'm sorry, I'll check for you, the lady said to me, you need prices on things if you want to sell them. So I just gave her a smile and apologized and proceeded to let her know that it was our very first day of being open. So she was quick to apologize and congratulated us on a beautiful store. But I guess that was a compliment in a way. We looked established, not just like a new store. So I took that one as a positive. We sold a big artwork that day, a huge part of one of the displays. It was a challenge I hadn't really thought of or expected. And it actually took me a while to get used to the fact that nothing will ever stay the same and that the store would constantly change and that it had to change in order to remain interesting. I remember thinking it would have been nice to have it up for just a bit longer, but hey, just the artwork paid the rent, so I couldn't complain. And Danny always reminds me, we're here to sell things. So fortunately, I had ordered some spare pieces, so I put another one in its place. Probably didn't look as good as the first one because I'd completely, you know, worked out my merchandising plan, but it was good enough. So we were both on a high that day. Didn't take long to realize that the store was a success. Although we'd planned for Danny to stay at Ocean and Earth for at least three to six months, he ended up quitting in three weeks and came to join me working in the store in October. He'd been feeling so disappointed and had serious FOMO on the whole experience and the buzz, so he was keen to join me. Let's just say he was quick to settle in. He bought himself a fancy new Mac that he set up on the desk in the design office at the back of the store and he made himself look busy while I unpacked the deliveries and styled them in the store. I guess he'd achieved his dream of being the owner at the back of the store sitting at his desk like we'd seen in that store in Melrose. But I'd often look up to see what he was up to and he'd have his this smirk on his face as he secretly completed his footy tips. <laughs> Life was pretty good. And in all seriousness, we were a great team. We shared the workload, even though I just made out that he did nothing except look important and keep his footy tips up to date. But we did keep each other inspired. It really was the start of something really special. After about eight months of trading, we went back to the bank. I'll never forget sitting there speaking to the bank manager, basically begging her for money. So I started by asking for $100,000 and then I got 
you know, all the way down to $15,000 to, to repay the loan, the loan to mum and dad, at least some of it, because, you know, we owed them quite a lot of money. I think it was around, around $80,000 from memory. It may have been more, but I just wanted something to be able to give back to them but they still wouldn't lend us anything. They wanted a year's worth of trading or more. And I remember wondering how were we ever going to be able to borrow any money? It just seemed impossible. The store was doing well and we'd built a loyal following of locals and holiday home owners from the area. So for those of you who don't know or that you do know, Huskisson is a tourist town. So we had plenty of new visitors on weekends. We'd, ma- we'd also made so many new friends and we loved being able to have such varied conversations with different people all on the same day. Danny was a hit with the older ladies though, who all used to come in to chat with him. It was so funny and it was so obvious that they thought he was just so handsome because only he was oblivious to it. I just used to stand back and watch and laugh and you know, I just chuckle at the thought of it now because you just get this kind of nervous little smile and laugh along with them and they're all standing there with, you know, gooing and garring. It was kind of sickening actually. <laughs> but we were both working seven days a week. So Danny's mum, Veronica, who used to help us out by working every now and then to give us a day off. So the groups of ladies would even come in and ask her where Denny was and they'd all have a good giggle. But I remember working with Veronica on a few occasions and customers would come in and you come to the counter to ask a question and they'd direct the question to Veronica, assuming she was the owner and I was the young apprentice. Veronica would say, you'll have to ask Tara here. She's the owner and can help you with that. It's funny how we're quick to jump to assumptions, but I can understand because I was pretty young. But as we continued to trade, I remained on the hunt for new and interesting products to give us a point of difference. Right from the beginning, I wanted the store to be aspirational and inspirational. And I know that even early on, we brought in some beautiful bone inlay furniture from India and vintage canther blankets, all hand-stitched using layers of vintage Indian saris that I'd sourced from a supplier in Australia. But we really wanted items with personality and character and a story to tell. That was big for us. Pieces that nobody had ever seen before. I had a weekly routine where I'd pay all of my bills on a Monday and move the paper invoice from the invoices to be paid tray to the paid tray, my very simple but effective filing system. I'd make all of my calls on that day as well as any EFT transfers to keep on top of our expenses. And I'd kept this system going for a while and later on when it came to employing staff, I remember them commenting on how organized I was. (laughs) This creative brain? But I guess I was, or at least as organized as what I could be. I'm sure my mum would suggest otherwise, though. But the positive thing was that the business was paying for itself as well as providing an income for for our very simple living expenses. There was no need for any extra loans as we watched the bank account slowly grow. I remember finding an old P&L statement a few years ago that showed our first year's profit at $28,000. It made me smile. 
It sounds like a pittance, especially for two people combined who were previously on quite good salaries, but we really felt so much better off. We were in control of our lives and loved what we were doing. And it was a profit, which is something not, you know, we weren't at, you know, making a loss. It was a profit. So that was amazing in our first year of business. So we were definitely on our way. And so in a nutshell, that was how we started. I've told this story as my hope is that it gives you the confidence to understand that none of us really know what we're doing when we first start out. We all fumble, we drop the ball and we fall over at times. It can be a struggle, but it's also such an important process to go through in order to learn and to grow from our mistakes. And if you are fortunate enough to have that someone in your corner guiding you along the way through each of those steps, then you will definitely experience a much smoother transition into working for yourself and creating a life that you love. And that's where I hope I can come in to guide you. As you can see, and you will learn more about in the coming episodes, we've learned a lot from working our way through the unknown and now have so much knowledge and experience under our belts. It's now my dream to be able to pass that on to you so that you too can pursue a dream of starting your own business and taking control of your life. I'm looking forward to joining you on this rewarding and fulfilling journey. Thank you for joining me this week on the Trade Wins podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or have found value in this podcast, I'd love you to leave me a review on iTunes or to share it on Instagram and Facebook for your friends. To see what special pieces of the world we've brought home, make sure you visit our website at fewandfar.com.au or pop into one of our beautiful stores located in Huskisson, Berry, or Barrel in New South Wales. And if you're thinking about starting your own retail business but aren't sure where to begin or you have an existing business you want to grow, head over to my website tarasolberg.com for more information on my Trade Wins online course where I share everything I wish I had known when I was first starting out in business. I look forward to you joining me again for our next episode. Thank you for listening.